Welcome, everybody listening to another episode of the one and only Sean Sports Talk podcast. This is episode number 306. Boy, do we have a lot to talk about. Lots of NBA trades involving the NBA draft and just in general. Obviously, the 2020 NBA draft, some football news, um, an update on James Harden and his future with the Houston Rockets. But before I get into all of that, I want to thank you guys for listening. I listening i hope all you guys are staying safe um and yeah if you enjoy the show as i say on every episode go to seansportstop.com on itunes leave any kind of review feedback is appreciated follow me on all that i'm wasting no time today we're gonna get right into it starting with basketball it's gonna be mostly basketball on today's episode i'm gonna cover the entire first round of the nba draft and give my opinion on most of the picks at the end so if you're only interested in that, you should probably skip to around 20 to 25 minutes into the episode is what I would guess, maybe 20 minutes. So anyway, the Houston Rockets are not planning on parting with parting ways with James Harden for cheap. Um, according to Tim McMahon of ESPN, Houston is, quote, demanding an especially steep return in, in any trade involving the three-time scoring champion and wants, quote, a proven young star as a centerpiece along with a massive picks package. And I don't think that should be a surprise to anyone. I mean, it's James Harden. He's consistently averages over 30 points a game. He's a consistent MVP candidate. He's one of the best basketball players in the world. Um, in 2018, I I think he should have won the championship with the Rockets. They blew, blew it against Golden State in the conference finals very badly, and they would have beaten the Cleveland Cavaliers in the NBA finals pretty easily. Point is, I don't think they're wrong for... Wanting a lot of picks and wanting a lot of players and just a huge package overall, especially when they have the, they have the leverage in this situation. And what's more, the team also, quote, does not feel obligated to deliver Harden to the Brooklyn Nets, which is his preferred destination, and is under, quote, no pressure to trade either him or Russell Westbrook before the season starts. So it seems like they are perfectly content with starting the season with one of them or both of them still on the team. This echoes a Monday report from the New York Times that said the Rockets, quote, remain intent on keeping Harden and would like to rebuild their relationship with him. And honestly, I think they should. I think it's still salvageable in Houston. I think despite the reports, Harden wouldn't necessarily mind to stay in Houston, although he has he has uh, declined a contract extension that would pay him over $50 million a season. I'm not sure if he would still be able to accept it if he changes his mind. Um while stars such as Harden and Westbrook apparently wanting out could, would lead to many teams feeling the pressure, McMahon suggested Houston is, quote, willing to get uncomfortable and keep them around because they are, they are each under contract for two more seasons with for two more seasons with an additional player option for a third year. Uh, so clearly the Rockets don't have to worry about either of them leaving in free agency anytime soon. So it is clear that in this situation, the Houston Rockets have absolute leverage in both situations. Um... After all, Woj reported the Pelicans landed Eric Bledsoe, George Hill, three first-round picks, and two pick swaps just for Drew Holiday. That's Drew Holiday. I mean, Drew Holiday is a great player, but he is no James Harden. He never was. He never will be. And look at how much they got. Yes, uh, Milwaukee paid the price of wanting to make Giannis happy and make sure that he stays a buck. But Houston has the leverage here. And, man, I mean, this is very interesting. I... If I had to guess, to be honest, I would, it, right now, I mean, a, a couple days ago, I had a different opinion, but right now, as of November 18th, 2020, 9.17 p.m. Pacific time here in beautiful Los Angeles, California, I would say that James Harden 
will I can't say I'm non-committal on Russell Westbrook, but I think James Harden will be a Houston Rocket to start next season. Whether he stays in Houston throughout the whole season, I can't comment on that. We could see plenty of developments and plenty of things can happen in time for the trade deadline midseason. But I honestly think James Harden will stay with Houston. We'll see. It's, at this point, it's honestly kind of a bold prediction to say that. As far as Russell Westbrook, I'm kind of on the fence, but I'm more inclined to say that he will be traded. It's just a matter of finding someone that wants him, which is a whole other discussion in and of itself, which is it's kind of unbelievable because the guy averaged a triple-double for three straight seasons. He won an MVP as well. He was the leader in Oklahoma City, and now nobody wants him. It's unbelievable. But uh, Mike Korzemba actually had a great video about that, about pretty much no team wanting uh, Russell Westbrook. And um, yeah, with that, I'm switching gears to the NFL. Carolina Panthers running back Christian McCaffrey. He's not expected to play in Sunday's game against the Detroit Lions at Bank of America Stadium because of a shoulder injury. The news should come as no surprise as Adam Schefter reported that the Panthers were preparing for a, quote, multi-week absence. He was banged up during a Week 9 loss to the Kansas City Chiefs and subsequently missed last week's loss to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. This is yet another setback for the dynamic running back who has missed. He has also missed significant time this year with shoulder and ankle injuries. The health concerns are a new development, though, for the 24-year-old who did not miss a single game during his first three seasons in the league. Man, it's kind of crazy that he's been in the league that year. I remember when he got drafted out of Stanford. Um, so hopefully he's going to bounce back. Hopefully he's going to put the injuries behind him. Uh, we have some more unfortunate news about injuries a little later in this episode. But first, we have more football. The Las Vegas Raiders placed seven defensive players on the reserve slash COVID list on Wednesday. Safety, Jonathan Abram. Defensive tackles, Malik Collins and Jonathan Hankins. Defensive lineman, David Irving. Cornerback, Isaiah Johnson. Defensive end, Arden Kay. And defensive tackle, Kendall Vickers. According to the NFL Network, those players may be eligible to suit up when the team hosts the Kansas City Chiefs on Sunday if they continue to test negative for the virus. Per ESPN, the Raiders move starting defensive end, um... Clellan Farrell and cornerback LaMarcus Joyner to the reserve slash COVID-19 list on Tuesday. Man, I miss LaMarcus Joyner as a Ram. And Corey Littleton as well, um, starting linebacker for the Raiders, former Rams. I miss those guys. And that's the latest on the Raiders. They are no strangers to being involved with COVID-19. And John Gruden was fined. And they, I'm not sure. I think the Raiders might be in talks of losing a draft pick due to violating COVID protocols. I know the Saints are for sure. The Raiders might be in the same boat. And... Um, with that, we're transitioning to some baseball. This was this was very upsetting for me to find out about, especially literally a day, literally one day after I was talking about how Barry Bonds is not making the Hall of Fame because of steroids and how he didn't need to do that. It's honestly the same thing here for this guy. I'm honestly not sure why he decided to do them. He didn't need them to make the Hall of Fame. And now, ironically, as a result, he definitely will never make the Hall of Fame because this is now the second time that he tested positive for PEDs. Uh, so New York Mets second baseman Robinson Cano will be suspended for the entire 2021 season after testing positive for performance-enhancing drugs. He tested positive for stanozolol. Jeff Passan of ESPN first reported the news noting that the 38-year-old will forfeit his entire $24 million salary for the season. Cano was previously suspended for 80 games in 2018 after testing positive for furosemide, a diuretic used to mark to mask other substances um Mets team president said that he's extremely disappointed no surprise there Cano has been one of the top two-way second basemen in the majors during the first 14 years with the New York Yankees and Seattle Mariners earning eight all-star selections five silver sluggers and two gold glove awards he finished in the top 10 of MVP voting six times in this stretch producing a 304 career batting average to that point 
He was traded to the Mets after his 2018 suspension, and he struggled mightily in his first season, producing a career-low 256 batting average. He also hit only 13 home runs in 107 games while being limited by hamstring injuries. He did bounce back in 2020, obviously, though, because of the steroids hitting 316 with 10 home runs in 49 games during the shortened season. And um, New York will now have to figure out what they will do without him, which is not necessarily going to be difficult as they still have Jeff McNeil and Andres Jimenez. But Cano will be eligible to, re to return in 2022 and will still have two years and $48 million remaining on his contract. Um, but it, it's just upsetting because, you know, now he has absolutely zero shot at the Hall of Fame. And I think he might have been a Hall of Famer, uh, obviously, ha had he not tested positive for a second time. But now there's no doubt about the fact that he's a cheater. And it's just it's really upsetting. It, it really is. It takes the integrity away from the game. And I honestly just don't know how someone can honestly consciously do that. I, I know I never would, but, you know, it's just upsetting. And uh, now we're switching gears back to the NBA. The deal to send Bogdan Bogdanovich that I previously reported on to the Milwaukee Bucks is reportedly, quote, in peril, um, as The Athletic explained on Wednesday. According to Woj of ESPN, who first reported the move originally, with the Sacramento Kings expected to send a restricted free agent to Milwaukee as part of the sign-and-trade, um, he reportedly never agreed to, that, to the deal. <laughs> it's uh, very simple, but I guess he never did it. As a restricted free agent, the 28-year-old has the right to sign an offer sheet with any team before the Kings have a chance to match the deal. The reported trade was part of a busy Monday for the Bucks, who also acquired guard Drew Holiday that I covered extensively. Bogdanovich would have been a very valuable addition to Milwaukee, and I talked about how you know adding him alongside Drew Holiday to, to the three, the trio of Giannis Antetokounmpo, Brooke Lopez, and Chris Middleton would probably make them uh, the best starting five in the NBA. But without Bogdanovich, that's obviously not the case. He averaged 15 points and three and a half assists per game last season, shooting 37.2% from three. Um, and his presence would have been huge, honestly, to help Milwaukee get over that hump and reach the NBA Finals. But now it seems like he will not be in Milwaukee. So uh, who knows what kind of implications that has on Giannis possibly staying around. Maybe Drew Holiday will be enough for him to uh, make up his mind on staying with Milwaukee. But we shall see. Transitioning to another Eastern Conference trade, one year after inking him to a four-year, $109 million, million dollar contract, the Philadelphia 76ers are moving on from Al Horford. According to Woj of ESPN, the Sixers traded the 34-year-old along with a lightly protected 2025 first-round pick and the number 34 overall pick in this year's draft to the Oklahoma City Thunder for recently traded Danny Green from the Lakers and Terrence Ferguson. I believe this is a part of a three-team trade with the Lakers, uh, just, you know, officially. Woj added that the Oklahoma City Oklahoma City will also receive the rights to Vasil Micic, who currently plays in Turkey and was drafted number 54 overall by Philadelphia in 2014. This, um, obviously, Green is traded again. Woj, um, Horford was an awkward fit with Philly, and I'm not really sure why they paid him all that money over four years, why they gave him that contract, um, you know, especially when their lineup already includes Joel Embiid. A center for the first 12 seasons of his career, he started at the four alongside Embiid at, with the Sixers um, as they tried to punish teams with length defensively. But, it, you know, it was just kind of an awkward fit. While the defensive strategy mostly worked, the Sixers were very inconsistent on offense. Horford and Embiid have to play away from uh, the basket in part because of each other and also because Ben Simmons can't shoot the ball. So you have three awkward guys there, long awkward guys. Philadelphia ranked 14th in the NBA in offensive efficiency and Horford... Um, you know, complained about his role publicly, saying, quote, I'm out there for the team and doing what I can to help us, but offensively, I'm very limited with the things that I can do, so I can't control that stuff, so all I have to do is make sure I'm there for the team, trying to do everything I can to help us win. Uh, trading Horford 
already is, I mean, it's a bit of a surprise, but it makes perfect sense. But as far as, um, man, I mean, a lot of people are talking about how, how Oklahoma City, um, you know, finessed another trade. But honestly, I think it was a good trade for both for both teams because obviously OKC gets the draft picks and Philly gets rid of Al Horford and that, and that contract. So I think it's a win-win. But yeah, I mean, OKC has been making moves lately with the trades, that's for sure, with Sam Presti. Switching gears to another trade. A three-team trade with the Los Angeles Clippers, Brooklyn Nets, and Detroit Pistons gave Detroit the number 19 pick in Wednesday's draft, today's draft, while Los Angeles swapped guards and Brooklyn landed guard Landry Shamit, according to The Athletic. So the Clippers traded Landry Shamit to the Nets, the Nets sent the draft pick to the Pistons, and the Pistons traded guard Luke Kennard to the Clippers. Uh, Woj added that Rodney Magruder would also head to Detro- would also head to Detroit as part of the transaction. The 29-year-old who made his NBA debut with the Miami Heat in 2016 and was claimed by the Clippers off waivers in April appeared in 56 games this past year, posting only three points and three rebounds a game. Um, so Shamit was drafted by the Sixers with the number 26 pick out of Wichita State in 2018. He was dealt to the Clippers midway through his rookie year in, in the Tobias Harris trade, I believe it was. He appeared in 79 games that season, and in 53 games this season, he averaged nine points, two rebounds, and two assists a game, shooting over 40 over 40% from the floor. Uh, Luke Kennard was the 12th overall pick in the 2017 draft out of Duke. He appeared mostly off the bench for the Pistons throughout his first two seasons. He put together a career season last year, though, posting 16 points per game in 28 games, including 25 starts, before he was sidelined by knee tendonitis. So I think the Clippers honestly won this trade. Um... That, that, that's just what I think. I think the Clippers won this trade. Switching gears to more NBA. More more basketball. It's all basketball on today's episode, guys, for the most part. Uh, Ricky Rubio is heading back to where it started for him. According to The Athletic, the Minnesota Timberwolves acquired Rubio and the 25th and 28th picks in the draft from the Oklahoma City Thunder for the number 17 pick. Um, that's, a, that's a good trade for... Uh, that's a good trade... For Minnesota, no doubt about it. It's it's an exciting night for Minnesota as they picked Anthony Edwards number one overall. I'll cover the rest of the first round later in the episode. So they their point guards are now D'Angelo Russell and Ricky Rubio. Shooting guards, they got Anthony Edwards and Jared Culver. And small forwards, they got Jared Culver as well alongside Josh Kogi. So the Timberwolves should be excited with that. Obviously, their best player, Carl Anthony Towns, the center. And yet another trade. This one was a huge win for the Sixers, the Philadelphia 76ers, in my opinion. They traded guard Josh Rich- Josh Richardson and the number 36 pick in the draft for uh, Seth Curry from the Dallas Mavericks. This is after the Al Horford trade. They also drafted Kentucky guard Tyrese Maxey and Arkansas guard Isaiah Joe. Tyrese Maxey was a protege of LeBron James. So this is obviously alongside the huge changes from the management perspective, the front office perspective in Philadelphia, hiring the new head coach, Doc Rivers, former Clipper coach, firing Brett Brown, and bringing in former Rockets GM, Daryl Morey. Um, so we'll see Philadelphia. Morey's doing the right thing. He's finally realizing that you need to just surround Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid with shooters, and I honestly think it will. Switching gears to more NBA. This was absolute, absolutely devastating for me to read. It's so horrible. It couldn't happen to a nicer guy. It's just so extremely sad. The Golden State Warriors announced that shooting guard Clay Thompson suffered an injury to his lower leg on Wednesday, and reports suggest it may be a season-ending ailment. 
According to Yahoo Sports, the Warriors, quote, fear Thompson suffered a, quote, significant Achilles injury. He will undergo an MRI tomorrow morning. Several members of the Warriors organization headed down to LA to be there with Clay for his MRI. This is while he's rehabbing a torn ACL. It's so incredibly sad. If it's a major Achilles injury, he could potentially play in the NBA nearly three, I believe three years since his last game in 2019 because of how long it takes to rehab a serious Achilles injury. Hopefully it's not serious, but it is believed to be serious. It's extremely um, it's extremely sad. Monte Poole tweeted, quote, Clay Thompson's leg injury looked bad according to two sources, but neither was ready, was ready to assume catastrophic. The Warriors have significant decisions to make tonight slash this week, so fingers are crossed as they wait. Uh, an NBA source in the know about Clay Thompson's injury simply answered to me, not good. This is uh, Mark J. Spears. Clay Thompson, who is 30 years old at the moment, averaged 21.5 points on 46.7% shooting, over 40% from three, with just under four rebounds a game for the Warriors during the 2018-19 season, his last full campaign. Yeah, it's just, it's really sad to be honest. He suffered, he suffered a, a torn ACL during Game 6 of the NBA Finals, driving for a layup late in the third quarter of his team's uh, eventual 114-110 loss to, to the champion Toronto Raptors. He somehow made the, the two free throws and stayed on the court for a few seconds before being taken out of the game. That was some Kobe Mamba mentality shit right there. A post-game diagnosis revealed the torn ACL, and he was lost for the entire 2019-20 season. That year... This past season turned out to be a lost one for the Warriors, who could not get anything going because of the injury. Uh, Stephen Curry also was only limited to five games with a broken hand, and Kevin Durant obviously left the Warriors for the Brooklyn Nets. The Warriors finished 15-50, and 50, which placed them last in the NBA standings, and as a result, they had the number two overall pick in tonight's draft. Um, optimism, um, optimism prevailed, though, or I should say stayed, with Curry and Thompson slated to return healthy and a lottery pick. Um... They also added Andrew Wiggins from the Minnesota Timberwolves to help a lineup that still had jack-of-all-trades forward and three-time NBA champion Draymond Green. But Thompson's Clay's injury today is a huge setback, and um, hopefully, hopefully it's not a major one. And with that, ladies and gentlemen, I am switching gears to the first round of the 2020 NBA draft. So first overall, Anthony Edwards from the University of Georgia went to the Minnesota Timberwolves. Um, this was kind of the consensus. I did see them potentially taking LaMelo Ball or James Weissman, but this was the consensus and it was not, not a surprise. Uh, he's been compared to Dwayne Wade and Victor Oladipo on the high end <laughs> and to Dion Waiters and Andrew Wiggins on the not so high end. Um, he's been comp compared to Zach Levine as well. It should not be overlooked that he averaged over 19 points a game as an 18 year old freshman at the university of Georgia while showing advanced shot making and shot creating maneuvers. But there were some things that were not necessarily great. A good thing is that he has an NBA body at 6'5", 225 pounds, and NBA athleticism. So this is a solid pick for the Timberwolves. Not a bad one by any means. Next up, number two overall, James Weissman from the University of Memphis went to the Golden State Warriors. I was a little bit surprised by this, especially, especially with the news of Klay Thompson's injury. I thought they would go with LaMelo Ball. But this is a very solid pick in the Warriors. They need a big man, and um, he's very skilled. He's seven feet, seven one, which is you know just <laughs> he's seven one, <laughs> and he has a seven foot inch wings, seven six wingspan. Uh, I think it's a solid pick. I would give this one a B. I would give Weissman and Edwards both a B. Next up, Lamelo Ball to the Charlotte Hornets. 
No one, no prospect in this draft has a higher upside than Lamella Ball. He he could be the generational talent coming out of this draft. It was reported that Michael Jordan, despite his um, you know playful beef with Lavar Ball, gave the stamp of approval to the Charlotte Hornets to draft Lamelo if he was available third overall, and he was, and they decided to take him. Um, I think it, it, this this makes perfect sense. I mean, he's he has so much upside. He's a six seven guard who can do it all. He we've obviously been seeing him. He's been extremely popular since he was a freshman in high school. Obviously playing alongside his brother Lonzo Ball and Onyeka Kongwu Liangelo Ball on that famous Chino Hills high school team back in the day it's kind of crazy we literally saw Lamelo grow up before our eyes and i think this was a great great um pick by the hornets i'm not sure that Lamelo was too happy about it i'm sure he's happy to be in the nba as is his father lavar but i'm sure he would prefer to go to a team like golden state new york chicago a big city like that because he is flashy he is showtime he is hollywood and charlotte is not exactly that but he can put them on the map i mean he did it with lithuania uh with bc priena if he did it in Australia with the Iloar Hawks. So we'll see. Number four, Patrick Williams went to the Chicago Bulls. Um, they're swinging for the fences. Not only uh, he's the draft's youngest NCAA prospect. Um, he's 6'8", 225. He just needs substantial development. He averaged only nine points and four rebounds in his lone season at Florida State. So I'm a little surprised that um, Williams was selected fourth overall. Uh, all due respect to Zach Levine, Laurie Markin, and Kobe White and Wendell Carter Jr., but not one of them, not one of those recent picks has cemented themselves as the future star of the Chicago Bulls. Maybe Laurie Markkinen, but not to that degree. Number five, the Cleveland Cavaliers took Isaac Okoro from the from Auburn University. Uh, they're getting defensive, which is probably the smart play after investing consecutive ton, top ten picks in offensive players in Colin Sexton and Darius Garland. Um, this is a solid pick in my opinion. His shot, however, is pretty rough at 28.6% from three, 67.2% at the line. But like like I said, and the Cavs on top of that finished 20th or worse in three-point makes and percentage in 2019-20. So this could potentially be a problem, but I think it was a decent pick for the Cavaliers. Uh, number six overall, the Atlanta Hawks picked up on Yekka Kangu. I think this was a great pick. Um, but the Hawks do already have John Collins and Clint Capelli in the front court. Um but at the same time, they already have Trey Young. So, I mean, who else could they have picked? They have Cam Reddish as well. So, I think, um, yeah, now that I think of it, they didn't necessarily need a big man. Uh, but I think Onyeka is a very solid raw prospect. Number seven overall, Killian Hayes went to Detroit Pistons. I think I love this pick. Um, the Pistons found their floor general in Killian Hayes. He needs some developmental work, but who doesn't coming out of the NBA draft? Um Assuming that the Pistons keep Blake Griffin around for next season, him and Killian Hayes could have a great pick-and-roll kind of relationship. I love this pick. Next up, Obi Toppin went to the New York Knicks. Uh, this was a decent decent um, selection by the Knicks. This is a guy that was you know, in tears, tears of joy, getting picked by the Knicks because he's from New York. Um, his offensive game is easy on the eyes, and he's explosive to the rim. Um Shoots at 30% from three, so that's not bad. Solid pickup for the Knicks. Number nine, uh, Denny Avaja from Israel went to the Washington Wizards. I think honestly, this was gonna, this might, this has the potential to be the steal of the draft. Um, um, yeah, I mean, I think he, he's very intriguing. He's six nine. A lot of people are sleeping on him. Uh, I think it's I think it's a great pick, honestly, for the Wizards. Number ten, Jalen Smith 
went to the Phoenix Suns. Now, this is a trade that I absolutely did not get whatsoever. I why do you pick Jalen Smith tenth overall when you already have when you took DeAndre Ayton first overall two years ago? This makes no sense to me whatsoever. I think they could have used a solid small forward or something like that. I mean, they just traded for Chris Paul. They have Devin Booker. They have DeAndre Ayton. Why are you taking another center? That doesn't make much sense to me for the Suns. Number 11 overall, Devin Vassell went to the San Antonio Spurs from Florida State University. Um, let, me, let me check how long I've been doing this show. We're at 24 minutes. Okay, so we could finish this up. Uh, the, yet another amazing pick for the Spurs. I mean, he's the he's the prototypical 3 and D guy. He has good size at 6'6 and length at 6'9 with his wingspan. And he shoots 41.7% from three across two seasons at Florida State. So he's a great 3 and D guy for Popovich and the Spurs. I love this pick. The Spurs, you know, they're geniuses when it comes to drafting. They've drafted Tim Duncan, David Robertson, Kawhi Leonard, Danny, uh, not Danny Green, Manny Ginobili, Tony Parker. So they know what they're doing, that's for sure. Number 12, another great pick, Tyrese Halliburton from Iowa State goes on to the Sacramento Kings. Uh, th this was just, this was an unbelievable pick. Uh, he has a bit of a, he's a 6'5 guard uh, who could do it all, to be honest. He has an odd release from what I've seen, but he shoots at 42.6%, so that doesn't really matter. Number 13, this was a, a decent pick, Kyra Lewis Jr. to the New Orleans Pelicans. The one thing I don't understand is, like, he's a great player, and he's rumored to be the fastest player in the draft. He's a three-level scorer, and he's but he definitely needs to put on weight. He's only 165 pounds. That's very skinny in the NBA. That is, not, He's going to be bullied around if he plays at 165, that's for sure. I just don't get The Pelicans have guards. They, they did trade away Drew Holiday, but they brought in George Hill, Eric Bledsoe, Lonzo Ball. Um, there's probably another one on the roster. I'm just not sure why they went with a guard, but it is a decent pick. Number 14, the Boston Celtics took Aaron Nesmith from Vanderbilt. Um, this, I mean, this guy is a shooter. There's no doubt about it. He hit an absurd 52.2% from three on over eight attempts per game. Uh, the question is, what can he do for Boston besides shooting? <laughs> I haven't seen much from him, and that's gonna be that's gonna be a question. Next up, number fifteen, Cole Anthony from the University of North Carolina went to the Orlando Magic. Another decent one, solid B, B kind of um, pick. He shot thirty-eight percent from the floor and averaged nearly as many turnovers as he did assists. So that is not a good thing. And if that happened in college, that's only gonna that's that kind of thing is only gonna get magnified and intensified in the NBA. So hopefully he can clean that up a bit. Number 16, arguably the worst pick so far, Isaiah Stewart to the Detroit Pistons from the University of Washington via the Portland Trailblazers. Um, I just don't... The only thing I can think of here is that they don't want to bring back Christian Wood and how Christian Wood um, kind of broke out in, in a bit, in a way. Um, I just... He can play bigger than his... 6'9 size thanks to his nearly 7'5 wingspan this is um this is i'm talking about isaiah stewart but i just um i don't really get what detroit is trying to do here when they have christian wood number 17 overall this was a big kind of swing for the fences trade the oklahoma city thunder took alexei pukusevsky from serbia via the minnesota timberwolves this is after they did this after the Ricky Rubio trade that I covered previously. I mean, this is a guy who's extremely tall and he can handle the ball. He can shoot the ball. Uh, he has had some injury problems. He needs to work on his defense quite a bit from what I've seen, the footage that I've seen. But um, yeah, 
this is a solid swing for the fences kind of pick for the OKC Thunder. Number 18 overall, Josh Green from the University of Arizona heads the Dallas Mavericks. The Aussie, uh, they're built to compete right now. But their best basketball could be further down the road since their best players are 21-year-old Luka Doncic and 25-year-old Kristaps Porzingis. And using the 18th pick on Josh Green is a very smart way to balance both timelines because uh, if he can put a consistent three ball in his bag as he only averaged 1-3 a game on 36% shooting, he would offer substantial 3 and D upside for, for um, the Mavericks. And obviously 3 and D is one of the biggest things in, in the modern game of basketball. Number 19, Sadiq Bey went to the Detroit Pistons from Villanova via the Brooklyn Nets. This was another one, a solid pick. Um, he converted 45% of his threes on over five and a half a night. So another uh, sharpshooter, number 20, Precious Achua went to the Miami Heat. Another kind of B plus, B minus kind of trade. Uh, he doesn't offer much more than natural gifts right now, but... That could be all the heat need from him. Number 21, Tyrese Maxey went to the Philadelphia 76ers from Kentucky. Uh, they need to maximize their spacing around Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid. Um, and they will probably do that with the, with the addition of Tyrese Maxey. He looks the part of a spacer or at least a better shooter than his 29.23 point percentage would lead you to believe. His form is looking very great and he shoots 83.3% from the free throw line. So... This is a decent pickup for the 76ers. Number 22, Zeke Naji went to the Denver Nuggets from the University of Arizona. Um, they the, the Nuggets needed to find frontcourt reinforcements with Jeremy Grant, Paul Millsap, and Mason Plumley all headed to free agency, and they did. Um, I just I don't know if an offense first forward is the perfect complement to Nikola Jokic. That's my only concern. So. This is, I don't know about this pick, to be honest. Number 23, Leandro Balmaro, Balmaro from Barcelona goes to the Minnesota Timberwolves via the, via the New York Knicks. Um, he's, he's masterful when it comes to handling the ball. Uh, he's 6'7", so he competes defensively. So this is just a very solid pickup for the Timberwolves. Number 24, possibly the steal of the draft, RJ Hampton. Surprised he went this low. Went to the Denver Nuggets via the New Orleans Pelicans. He bypassed college basketball to spend a season in the Australian Basketball League, similar to what LaMelo Ball did. He's 6'5". Um, optimists might see an intriguing blank canvas, but doubters will wonder how long the project will take to complete. That's kind of the question on all these guys. And um, number 25, Emmanuel Quickly. Uh, went to the New York Knicks via the Oklahoma City Thunder from the University of Kentucky. He was the SEC Player of the Year. Uh, he was unleashed a three-point cannon as a sophomore at Kentucky, uh, shooting 34.5% from three. But those numbers skyrocketed even more this past season to 42.8%. Um, he's normally a point guard, but he plays more like an undersized scoring guard. His lack of, of, of athleticism, from what I've seen, this is, again, all from what I've seen, probably limits what he can do inside the arc and... Because of that, it's not the best of picks. It's just not. Number 26, another pick that, that I didn't really like with Boston. Peyton Pritchard from the University of uh, Oregon goes to the Celtics. He's a clever ball handler. He competes defensively. He's not the quickest side-to-side mover. But this is just this is just not a pick that's that fits the Boston Celtics style of play. It's as simple as that. Number 27, Udoka Azubuki went to the Utah Jazz from Kansas. Now, now, 
I have no idea why they did this. They have Rudy Gobert. Why do you need this guy? It makes no sense to me. <laughs> this guy is over seven feet tall. Why do you need him when you have Rudy Gobert? Number 28, Jaden McDaniels went to the Minnesota Timberwolves via the Oklahoma City Thunder via the Los Angeles Lakers. Uh, the overhaul of the T-Wolves continued as the club landed Jaden McDaniels. He's extremely intriguing. There's no, no doubt about it. He's 6'9". He can run pick and rolls. He can, he can ISO. can bury deep threes. So that's very, very intriguing. Number 29, Malachi Flynn from San Diego State went to the Toronto Raptors. Um, this is the kind of guy that executives kind of, they fool themselves into undervaluing him. He's, he's, 22, he's 22. He's limited athletically, which is not necessarily, those aren't things that should go hand in hand. And um, he's a lot like Fred Van Vliet. So potentially, so this probably means Fred is leaving Toronto. Number 30, Desmond Bain went to the Memphis Grizzlies via the Boston Celtics from TCU. This was an unbelievably good pickup. Um, he's He probably never would have made it to this spot if his 22nd birthday was not already behind him. He's a smart, skilled player at both ends. Uh, he's made 249 threes on 43.3% shooting at TCU, so this is a great pickup for Memphis. Number 31, uh, Tyrell Terry to the Dallas Mavericks. This was a, another great pickup as well. Optimistic reports. On this guy, you know, he's being compared to Stephen Curry and Trey Young. This could be another huge sleeper pick for Dallas. Next up, Vernon Carey Jr. From the Char goes to the Charlotte Hornets from Duke. I mean, it doesn't get more modern than the 6-7 floor general, which the Hornets nabbed by taking LaMelo Ball in the three spot. Unfortunately, it doesn't get less modern than Vernon Carey Jr., who they took 29 picks later. Uh, it just doesn't make much sense to me, to be honest. And um, it just doesn't, doesn't make sense. Next up, number 33 overall, Daniel Aturo to the Los Angeles Clippers via the New York Knicks. And this is not the best of picks. Um, his production during his second and final season with the Gophers was too much to ignore. While, they, while they, there are some flaws in his game, it's hard to sneeze at a nightly contribution of 20 points, 11.3 rebounds, and 2.5 blocks, especially when... Uh, there are a bunch of three-pointers, but um, I don't know. I don't like the pick for the Clippers. Number 34, Theo Maildon to the Oklahoma City Thunder via the Philadelphia 76ers. Solid pickup. Um, you know, I'm going to leave it there. I think this is getting a little boring if you guys are still listening personally. That's, that's how it seems like to me. So thank you guys so much for listening. I appreciate you guys, and I'll see you guys on the next episode.